Extra time, Immaculate Grid, Grid 161 for the 10th of September. It is Sunday. This is the bonus show for generations talking about my sports generations. New show dropped yesterday on Dynasty. Steve and I talk about how Dynasty's kind of impacted the game, impacted how we view the game, how we talk about the game, how we consume the game. So that's the main show. So check that out. And of course, this is the extra time show. This is the bonus show. This is every day at 9 p.m. Pacific. Let's jump right in. These are not my favorite days when it's just all teams. I like the career achievements. I think it's fun to find those. I was scarcity hunting again, and I find that I can do the scarcity hunting and do it well, but it takes a minute. So I have to start thinking teams and years and positions and players and go, okay, here's who a player was this and they did that. And okay, did they go there? And it takes a while. And on the weekend, it's fun to scarcity hunt. During the week, just don't have that much time and it's a little bit more difficult. But today we got in there with, uh, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. But you can see you can see the grid and total it up. Yesterday was my best. Yesterday I did three. So we had a total of three yesterday. So I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get close to that again. But um, the scarcity source are fun. Yesterday was a lot easier. Yesterday was fairly fast because yesterday was mostly career achievements. But today when it's when it's just teams, it takes a little bit longer. Also, you can tell by a lot of my answers, there's a lot of crust in here. So apologies, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. And I've got three players to highlight because we don't have any career achievements, but three players that qualified that I actually did not pick. But after looking who was available as eligible answers, I had to look them up because, you know, they, they actually had pretty decent careers and you kind of remember the name and go, oh, yeah, you know, they were they were they were all right. And one guy, you know, I barely remember. But, um, you know, he was probably better than, you know, he's kind of one of those all-stars that kind of maybe got forgotten. So let's go. Columns left to right, we have Boston Red Sox. We have the Blue Jays in the middle and then the Astros on the far right-hand side. Then for the Rose, we have the Diamondbacks on the top. We have the Clevelands in the middle and the Kansas City Royals on the bottom. So let's just go left to right, top to bottom. And uh, let's crank this out. Boston and Arizona, top left-hand square. Tony Clark, 0.4%. Tony Clark, you know, most people might know him as a Tiger. But he did spend a few seasons with the Bostons and then a couple last seasons with Arizona. In the middle, you know, for the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays, we went to Von White. And check out that episode. Devon White, we featured him. He actually made an all-star team near the end of his career as a Diamondback. But we featured Devon White on the show. Check that out. That is under the new descriptions where we put it to where you don't have to press more. So we're about three weeks or so in where it's a lot easier to find those episodes. Each episode is evergreen. So despite the fact that each show uses the grid to kind of leverage a conversation, the discussion about the players that are there and some of the statistics and some of the notes, those are evergreens. You can listen to those pretty much any time. And apologies before we used to put the, 
you know what we actually talked about further down in the description. So it was a little bit harder to find because you had to press more. But another way to figure out who we talk about is the icon in each episode is that day's grid. So that gives you a clue of maybe some of the discussions. But Devon White here, 2%. Top right-hand corner, Houston Astros and Diamondbacks. We went Oliver Perez, 0.5%. We've talked about him. He was a little bit of a nutcase. You know, he, he was a guy that, again, could be no hitting you for three or four innings, and then he would just get lit up and just lose his concentration. And then once he lost his concentration, he, you know, was often a detriment to his own team. But one of the other players that you could have gone here is Mike Hampton because Mike Hampton had that rando last minute Arizona kind of season. So Mike Hampton, 16 seasons in the league, started off with the Mariners, 1993. He would be with Houston from 94 to 99. He would make an all-star team and he was Cy Young too in 1999. And although he had 22 and four, he had a 290 ERA and 239 innings pitched, 177 Ks. He had a bloated whip, 1.285, but he led the league in home runs per nine, giving up less about half a home run per nine innings. And he had a 175 K to base on ball strikeout to walk ratio, but blown away far ahead, 1999. That was Randy Johnson's year. He was on the Diamondbacks that year, led the league in 364 strikeouts, ERA. I mean, just a crazy season. But Hampton, Cy Young, too, solid season. He was also Silver Slugger. 2000, he would go on to the Mets. He would win a Silver Slugger, and he would also be the NLCS MVP against the Cardinal, and he would go 2-0, and give up zero runs in 16 innings. He would strike out 12. He had a .813 whip in that series. But he only had the one year with the Mets. Moved on to Colorado, and this probably would almost broke him. 2001 to 2002. Although he was an all-star and he had two silver sluggers, I mean, he got knocked around. His stuff just did not play well in Colorado. His ERA was very bloated in those seasons. And then he kind of got a little bit of a resurrection, went to the Braves. If you're a pitcher and you're solid, it just seems like from about 1985 till, yeah, it's probably closer to 87 or 88. But from that point in time, the Bobby Cox years, if you were a pitcher and you were solid, they were going to take you to new heights because their defense was good. They had a good offense, and they just helped pitch Steve Avery, Denny Neagle. You know, those are some of those periphery guys, Mike Hampton, that did really well with the Braves. But uh, as a Brave, he would get a gold glove, and then he would also get another Silver Slugger Award. 2006 and seven. you know, that last year with or the 2005 season, he, he started to get injured, and then he was just not in the league 06 and 07. He would come back in 08 with Atlanta. He would do another season with Houston in 2009, and then he would finish off with Arizona in 2010. He only pitched in 10 games and only had 4.1 innings pitched. For his career, he was 148 and 115 for wins and losses. He had a 406 ERA. He pitched in 2,268.1 innings pitched. He had 1,387 Ks. He had an ERA plus of 107, so... He's pitching in the heart of the PED area era, 
And, you know, even though they have 406 ERA, he's pitching in parks that are hard to pitch in. And he still has, you know, above average ERA plus, but his whip was bloated. He walked a lot of guys, walked a lot of dudes, 1.442. And, you know, his 1.54 Ks to walks. So that was kind of his downfall, just just walking a lot of dudes, nibbling, right? He pitched a, he pitched to a lot of contact, and he was really good sinker baller, you know, kept the ball in the park, but just, you know, just couldn't, uh, couldn't keep guys off the base paths. So let's go down one. We go Boston and the Clevelands. We went Al Nipper, Al Nipper starter. He was a starter on the 86 uh, World Series team. Al Nipper had that last rando season with the Clevelands, 0.04%. Then in the middle with the Clevelands and the Blue Jays, you know, Corey Snyder would follow Joe Carter. Uh, you know, he would go to the Giants. And then after the Giants, he would go follow Joe Carter to the Blue Jays. But, you know, he just... He was a shell of himself after he left the Cleveland's. Um, I'm not sure what it was. I mean, he was solid, but uh, just didn't stick around. Would go to the Dodgers and a few more seasons. And that was pretty much it. But he comes in at 0.2%. The Cleveland's and Houston, we went Greg Swindell, 1%. But another guy that qualified here is Buddy Bell. Buddy Bell, you know, longtime major leader, 18 seasons. 72 to 78 with the Cleveland's one time all-star in 73, 79 to 85. He was with Texas. He was a four-time all-star six times, six times in a row, gold glove at third base, silver slugger award. And this is where I remember him. I remember him as a red 85 to 88 as a red, and he would get replaced by Sabo. Then 88, the end of 88, he'd go to Houston, have half a season at Houston, 89 back at Texas. His best season is probably 1980. He had a season where he had a higher batting average and higher o, uh, OPS, but this is probably his most complete season, 1980. He had a 299, 327, 451 slash, and he would have a tie his career high in runs with 89. He'd have his career high in hits with 200. He'd never come close to 200 again. He had 63 extra base hits. He wouldn't come anywhere near that again. He'd have 18 home runs. That would be second highest for his career. 101 RBI, not even close otherwise in his career. And he had over 300. He had 302 total bases for the rest of his career. Nowhere near that. His career slash was 279, 341, and 406. And he had an OPS plus of 109. So above average for the time. And he would finish with 1,151 runs, and he would finish with 2,500 hits, 2,514. I mean, the guy could hit. The guy was was a hit machine. Like, he was a solid hitter. He had 282 extra base hits. 201 of those were home runs. He had 1,106 RBI. And here's where he was, 836 walks to 776 Ks. So, you know, he walked 60 times more than he struck out, which is – Nowhere near what's going on today. And then, of course, his dad was Gus Bell. He was a major leaguer. And then uh, his sons, David and Mike Bell. Mike Bell, just a cup of coffee. But David Bell was a giant, was a Philly, was a Seattle Mariner. So he had a 10-plus year career. So bottom left-hand corner, we've got Boston and Kansas City. We went Brett Saberhagen, 6%. Saberhagen would go to the Bostons after the Mets, I believe. Then you have Pat Borders, the catcher, 
you know, he spent a long time with um, the Blue Jays, but then he would have that rando season with Kansas City. Pat Borders, 1%. And then for the bottom right, we have Houston's and Kansas City. We went to Flash Gordon, Tom Gordon. 0.3% here. He actually could have gone, you could have used him in the Boston's as well for this particular one. And I think he would have been, I think he was a Toronto too. So I think you could have used Tom Gordon and all three of these, but the player that we wanted to uh, bring up, and this will be the, the last one for today, but John Mayberry, John Mayberry, his son, John Mayberry Jr. would play in the league um, much later, but he was MVP two in 1975 behind Freddie Lynn. Freddie Lynn had a war of 7.4 and John Mayberry's was 7.2. I think the big reason that Lynn, you know, doubled up on the rookie of the year and the MVP just by, you know, Boston was 95 and 65. They were first in the East and Kansas City was 91 and 71. They came in second behind the A's. And so that might have been the deciding factor that just kind of pushed Lynn to get the double over Mayberry, but Mayberry had a great season. Batted 291. He had a 416 on base average, 547 slugging. He was second in OPS at 963 versus Lynn's 967. He had 95 runs, which was second to Lynn. He had 161 hits. He had 73 extra bases. He had 34 home runs, which was second to George Scott and Reggie, who both had 36. He had 106 RBI, which was second to George Scott's 109. And he had he led the league in walks with 119. And he had a he led the league in OPS plus with 168. And he had 303 total bases. I mean, the guy had a 75 was a great year for him. He played 15 total seasons, 68 to 71. He was with Houston and he was just, you know, rookie didn't play a full season and his last season was kind of a partial season with uh, exceeded his rookie limits though. 72 to 77 was with KC. He'd be a two-time all-star with the Royals. And um, in 1978, he went to Toronto and the way the story goes is that in the 77 ALCS game four, after game four, he shows up and it doesn't say that he was drunk, but he showed up late. He showed up in the fourth inning, I believe it's game four, and then he gets into the game, he drops a foul ball, he strikes out twice, and Herzog benches him in the final game. Kansas City loses three to two. Back then, the ALCS was only five games, and uh, Herzog blames Mayberry for them uh, losing the ALCS to the Yankees and he gets, he gets taken out. And this is Whitey Herzog as a Royal, right? So Whitey's not a, not a Cardinal yet, not the manager of the Cardinals, but uh, he would go to Toronto 78 to 82. And then he had the back end of 82 with the Yankees. He'd finish his career with 25.1 war. He'd have a slash of 253, 360, 439, but he had an OPS plus of 123. So, you know, 23% better than the average major leaguer during his time. He had 733 runs, 1,379 hits. He would have 485 extra base hits, of which 255 were home runs. He had 879 RBI. And then here's again, 881 walks to 810 strikeouts. So he had 71 more walks than he did Ks. I mean, this is how baseball is played. 
you know, in the 70s and 80s and really just prior to probably 2000. He'd have three three seasons where he had 100 RBI or more. 106 was his career high that 1975 season. Eight times he hit 21 or more home runs. His career high was 34 in 1975. John Mayberry, ladies and gentlemen. But that's it. This was Grid 161 for the 10th of September. It is Sunday. This is Extra Time. Immaculate Grid, this is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers.